the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Monday, October the 3rd, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On October 3rd, 1995, the jury in the O.J. Simpson murder trial in Los Angeles found him not guilty of the 1994 slaying of his former wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and Ronald Goldman. Goldman was her boyfriend. Simpson was later found liable for damages in a civil trial, as most of us remember. Today, in 1941, Adolf Hitler declared in a speech in Berlin that Russia had been broken and would never rise again. Today, in 1961, the Dick Van Dyke Show, also starring Mary Tyler Moore, they made, it made its debut on CBS. Today, in seven, uh, 1970, the Oceanic, uh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, was established under the Department of Commerce. Today, in 1990, West Germany and East Germany ended 45 years of post-war division, declaring the creation of a reunified country. Going to be talking a little bit more about Germany this morning as it relates to some of the situations and conditions here in our country. Today, in 2001, the Senate approved an agreement normalizing trade between the United States and Vietnam. And today, in 2011, an Italian appeals court freed Amanda Knox of Seattle. Remember her? After four years in prison, they tossed out the murder convictions against uh, Knox and her ex-boyfriend in the stabbing of, the British, of their British roommate, Meredith Kircher. I remember that very well. It dominated the news for a long time. There was always a, an odd, there was just an odd aura about that whole case to me. I, I, I watched it with some, I don't know Amanda Knox or her, any of her family as far as I know, but in that she was from the Northwest here, from Seattle, and I guess it lived elsewhere a little bit too, but um, it was just a kind of a weird vibe about that whole trial that went on, and um, I think most of us remember it was brutal. The Supreme Court opens its new term this morning. Arguments for the first time will be made today after their summer break with new Justice Kentaji Brown-Jackson. She is not only a liberal, far left, she is an activist. Everybody keeps saying she's well qualified to be on the court. If the court is a group of activists, I would say she, no, no question, she's uh, qualified. Already, the court has said it will decide cases on a range of major issues, including affirmative action, voting rights, and of course, the rights of LGBTQ plus people. The justices say they will add more cases as they go along. They're just kind of getting the lights on and getting up to speed today and over the next couple of days. We're going to be looking at affirmative action. I was looking at a long list. I'm not going to get into this today, but I was looking at a long list <clears throat> of things that they will be looking at. Uh, one of the cases is affirmative action, 
And in those cases, uh, from Harvard University and the University of North, uh, North Carolina, the court could end consideration of race in college admissions. And that'll be, that will blow up whenever they get to that particular case. Uh, there's a voting rights case that's coming up um, this year in, in this session of the Supreme Court. There's some elections. One of the elections issue that issues that's going to come up with the Supreme Court is the fact that the U.S. Constitution gives power to the state legislatures alone to um, change or make any changes or moderations to the election in that state. Like in Washington State, the legislature has to make any of the changes in the protocols of voting. Uh, And that's true in each state, according to the Constitution. Well, in the last election, uh, that is questionable. And if you even question it, you're a bad person. But there there were cases in several states where the state officials, just like Secretary of State in one case in particular, they just made the decision to change the rules to accommodate COVID, I think it was, or whatever. So... Uh, but it was, I mean, th- there was more to it than that. Clearly, they were they were all Democrat leftists who, who took it upon themselves to change the rules. But that did happen. And uh, so I think this, this doesn't, as far as I can see, this case doesn't address that specific issue. But it would address that I- issue depending on how they might rule on this case. So that'll be a very explosive case when we get to it. We'll be talking about it on this program as we go along. They're going to talk about immigration this year. They've got a couple of cases coming up before them on immigration and the fact that there is no immigration policy uh, appearing to be so. And the president of the United States has the duty to protect our country. And an open border policy is not hardly protecting our country. There's also an LGBTQ rights. There always is that. On, this, on the agenda, this case involves a Colorado graphic web designer. Her name is Lori Smith, and she's, she's wanting to find out in advance. Uh, she's going to expand her business and offer wedding uh, website services. And she says, as a Christian, her beliefs would lead her to decline uh, any request from a same-sex couple to design a wedding website. So she's putting her, her case in front of them before it happens. That's an interesting take on that. There's a, there's a hog-raising, bacon law backlash, hog-raising bill that's going to come up, a whole bunch of stuff. We'll be following that as we go along this year as the Supreme Court hears these cases and the, the left, the media, litigates them publicly, as they always do. Must be getting close to Halloween because at first I thought Fauci was playing a trick on everybody. When I read this, I really did. I thought there was probably probably had to be more to it than it appears. There isn't. Dr. Fauci has unloaded a bunch of money to uh, what some in the conservative media is calling Dr. Frankenstein, the Sagar and Jetty. He is uh, the guy that, uh, well, anyway, let me tell you what Fauci did. He... <laughs> In the waning months, he said he has been saying all along, Dr. Fauci, that when he's going to stay in office, I mean, he's extremely well paid, enriched, I would add. I, if we, I commented on his net worth the other day and how it's grown over the last two and a half years. It's stunning. But anyway, 
he said he was going to stay in office until Joe Biden uh, was finished this term, which would be a couple of more years. Then he came out just a week or so ago and said, well, he, he thought he would wrap it up in December. And I said at the time, the reason that he chose to do that, in my, in my view, is that Rand, Senator Rand Paul and several others are really closing in on Dr. Fauci, and they want some answers that he's been evading and avoiding over the last several years. And Rand Paul in particular knows the right questions to ask in that he happens to also be a doctor. And he's making, um, he's making Fauci not only uncomfortable but angry. And he's kind of exploded several times. So anyway, he said he's going to wrap it up and be just the end of this year, which is not all that far away. So in that, with that as the backdrop, we find out over the weekend that he has approved a $600,000 grant to this Peter Zask. Peter is the, the head of the Eco Alliance for Bat Coronavirus Research. And it is the same organization, Eco Health Alliance, same organization that funded the Wuhan lab. And that's why Fauci was saying in the beginning that I haven't sent any money to the, to the Wuhan lab. He didn't, technically. He gave it to Eco Health Alliance, and they sent it to the lab so that it would, Fauci could say before the committees and before the country and so on that I haven't sent any money to Wuhan lab and so on just like they changed the meaning of gain-of-function research so that he could say, we don't do gain-of-function. But they still do what used to be called gain-of-function, and Rand Paul, again, has flushed that out, or the public wouldn't know anything about it. I wouldn't know anything about it. I don't follow that kind of thing that closely. So anyway, in that murky, kind of cloudy, gray environment that Dr. Fauci has created, he has just sent $600,000 of your money to guess where? The company that knows the way to, not San Jose, but to Wuhan. And they'll take that money there, and they will continue their bat coronavirus research. That's so disgusting. I mean, it really is. I don't know this, but I would speculate that he's probably enriching himself some way in the process of this little exchange. Really sad. I want to take a moment to thank you for your support of this program. It is fully supported by the people who listen to it and those of you who believe in what we're doing. We are making a difference. We are helping people to understand uh, what's going on in the culture, clarifying it, and putting it in a biblical context, a Judeo-Christian biblical principles, traditional values and principles. We talk about what's happening daily. We are live. We originate live. Some of you hear us a little bit in delay. But the reason that we're live is because we talk about what's happening at the moment. And we do. And we try to give it a biblical perspective. And we do the best that we can to put it in a biblical perspective. Because that's the most important perspective of all. It's much more important than your political perspective. So thank you for understanding that, and thank you to all of you who support us. We, I'm so grateful, and I often just pray for you guys. I mean, thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98. 98-
0009, Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. One time there was a guy named Joe. He believed that he was kind of the center of the universe, and he believed that whatever he believed was true, and what other people believed may or may not be true. He was a progressive. He believed that if I identify as something, I am that. He believed that if I believe something to be so, a certain way, it is that way. That's how progressives believe. They really do. They don't believe in consequences. They just believe in ideas. They believe that you can, if you say something is true, that is your truth. You can stand in that truth. That's what's wrong in our world today. Too many decisions have been made by progressives. We have given over the reins of power in our country and in countries in Europe as well. Many of them. That's why that Italy election was such a big deal. And I talked about I'm not going to talk about it today, but I talked about it last week. I mentioned it a couple of different days because it's huge. Italy just rebelled against that kind of thinking and elected a very conservative, very traditional values woman as their prime minister for the first time. And it's it's a it's a hundred and eighty degree turn for Italy. And the world was shocked. America was shocked. Joe Biden immediately began kind of trying to undermine her. And others have done that as well and tried to suggest, well, they're headed toward a, another Benito Mussolini era and so on. I mean, the same thing they do to Trump because he espoused some of the same values, traditional historic values and so on. And he put them into policy. Well, anyway, this too many progressives have made too many decisions. And so now we're seeing the consequences. The problem is these folks don't believe in consequences. And this guy named Joe in his office building, it was a 10-story office building, he kept talking around at the water cooler over lunch, and he kept telling his colleagues, he said, man, I, I just, I mean, you guys, there's a lot of things you guys just take for granted, and you think, well, this is the way it is. And he said, that's not the way it is. He said, for example, he said, everybody believes that if you believe in gravity, everything that goes up must come down. And he said, I don't believe in gravity. And they laughed. And he said, no, I'm serious. He said, I don't identify as someone who believes in gravity. He said, it doesn't have to be that way. They realized he was serious. One of the guys said to him, he said, well, I mean, have you tested that theory? And the guy goes, no. And so others chimed in and they said, Joe, Joe, why don't, why don't you test your theory? Maybe you're right. Maybe gravity doesn't work. Maybe it's just an illusion. Maybe we just think there's gravity, but there really isn't gravity. Why don't you go up and jump off the top of the building and um, see what happens? If you don't identify or believe in gravity, maybe, maybe nothing will happen. Maybe you'll be fine. The more he thought about it, he thought, yeah, I'm going to go really really left on this thing, and I'm, I'm going to do this because I've kind of convinced myself there is no gravity. It doesn't, it appears but to be in all of the traditionalists and the old school people, they kind of believe in it, but I don't think it, I don't think there is gravity. I, I, I just don't identify with it. So he goes up to the top of the building, and he, he jumps off. He's in free fall. As he goes by the fourth floor, where his office was, the guys are all have the window open and they shout to him. They say, hey, Joe, 
How's it going? Joe answers them, so far, so good. That's where we are today with this administration. It's in free fall. And they keep telling America, well, so far, so good. Because they can't bring themselves to believe in consequences. I want to talk to you a little bit about Germany today and it as it relates to where we are in the world. The German federal economy minister, this Robert Habeck, he expressed profound concern this weekend over the looming energy crisis coming this winter in Germany. He told the German media that the situation was extremely tense. He said there is a possibility that Germany may run out of gas, talking about natural gas or liquefied natural or propane or whatever. There's other countries in Europe that are facing the same kinds of concerns. Could the coming winter at home here in the U.S., could we also face gas and fossil fuel shortages that would disrupt our lives, that would make it cold in the wintertime? Most clear thinkers are expressing some concern here as well over this looming fuel shortages here in the United States, and they're all a result of policies that President Biden has enacted since he came into office. He killed the Keystone Pipeline the first day in office, as he had promised the far left, the Elizabeth Warrens, and all of those people that he would. He did. This is a direct result of what we're seeing now as we begin to see things begin to tighten up, begin to stress, begin to change. Our culture is changing. There is a direct result of relativistic, so-called progressive ideas and policies in what happens in the life of an individual and in the culture. Decisions, policies, beliefs have consequences. Most of us little people out here, we understand that. We live in the real world. Some of these people get so elevated in their own opinion of themselves, they lose touch with reality. I think we have a problem with that here in America today. This Germany's economy minister said Friday that the Germans must, quote, reduce their consumption of natural gas ahead of this winter. (laughs) That's a great time to reduce your consumption of natural gas when you heat your house with natural gas. It gets pretty cold in Germany from my memory of having been there several times. He said that the day after the government told the people they would be getting a new price break program to help Germans with the rising cost of energy. So the rising cost of energy is going up like a like an explosion and the supply is running out. The new price break will cover 80% of the regular consumption for the remaining 20% that people will have to pay the full amount, whatever that happens to be. It'll probably be escalating. The government hopes that this will help incentivize Germans to lose to use less gas, of course, to help mitigate the looming shortages. The government is telling the people, this is Germany now, quote, if everything goes well and we have a bit of luck, I'm quoting the government officials over the weekend, if everything goes well and we have a bit of luck with the wealth with the weather, we will have a chance at getting through the winter comfortably. Boy, that's not very encouraging, is it? Germany is the strongest economy in Europe. This means, however, the storage facilities, they continued, the storage facilities will be empty by the end of the winter. In this case, really, really empty. 
These words came before last week's facilities and reports put out the message of the suspected sabotage of Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 pipelines, very important pipelines. In the case of Nord Stream 1, previously delivered it before they somebody blew it up, delivered large amounts of gas directly from Russia to Germany. Now we don't even know whether the pipelines can be fixed at all because engineers are saying on last Friday, they were saying, some of the experts were saying, if immediate action isn't taken, and they're not taking any action at this point, they're just blowing gas, and I guess they've got them shut off now, or the one. But they said the experts say salt water could destroy the inside of the pipes themselves and render that pipeline ineffective, in fact, out of service. Habeck says Germany is facing an extremely tense situation ahead of this winter. He said if people don't comply and reduce consumption, shortage is most likely. Germany's economy's minister also publicly admitted that much of the nation's economy has already been reduced. These are his words to a burning fire by the ongoing energy crisis ahead and what is expected to be a cold winter for many in the country. You have to ask yourself, could this happen in America? I mean, aren't we highly advanced, civilized nations? How do we run out of gas in the wintertime? We know it gets cold every winter. Could it happen in America? Clear-thinking people say it will happen if we continue on this track. Yesterday, Paul Dreesen published an article warning of the growing fraud and deception that is driving the green movement. He called it a nightmare in the making. He said this, these policies are creating a nightmare. Here's part of what he said. He said, Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, he wanted regulatory reform. He's a Democrat, but Joe kind of gets over by close to the Republicans once in a while because West Virginia is not, not a, known to be a progressive state. So he... <laughs> He wants, in part, he wants to reverse some of the Biden administration's reversals of the Trump era reforms because that's a energy producing state, coal in particular. And he's uh, he wants to expedite permits for fossil fuel projects. The Biden administration has been killing all of this and shutting off all access, pretty much, or trying to, to fossil fuels, gasoline in the car and all that. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer needed Manchin's vote in the, it's a 50-50 Senate, if it's, you know, partisan, it's a 50-50. So he needed Manchin's vote to give him a 50-50 so Vice President Harris could break the tie and, and Biden could get what he wanted here. So he made a deal with uh, Joe Manchin, and it was, I mean, it was amazing but it gives Schumer, and Manchin voted and gave him the 50-50, and then Vice President Harris broke the tie. What that did was it gave Chuck Schumer, the majority leader in the Senate, and his allies $370 billion to spend in wind, solar, battery, and other of those kinds of funding and tax credits and subsidies. That was in exchange Schumer said he would offer a path for Manchin's reform bills, which would give permits more easily to people 
who were going to provide uh, fossil fuels, in his case, coal, but oil and that kind of thing. So Manchin voted. He voted yay when they called his name. And then promptly he got bushwhacked. Once he'd helped enact the this IRA bill, as, as it's called, the Schumer's bill, and it just is putting millions and billions of dollars into the hands of friends and cronies. Then he he discovered, Manchin discovered, that Schumer had only promised an opportunity, maybe a vote, on Manchin's needs, but he didn't at all agree that he would support it. Manchin assumed he would support it. Support it. Schumer never intended to support it. He just wanted to mislead him into getting the vote that Schumer needed to get all this stuff passed. That's how corrupt politics have gotten. And we know that. You know that. But that's how they pushed through this this bill. And now Manchin is embarrassed, I'm sure, but a little up, more than a little upset. He's talking about it publicly. And other members in the Senate, they didn't know that Schumer had made this little deal down the hallway with with Manchin, and so now they spoke up immediately, and the House and Senate members that were Democrats said, we weren't part of your secret negotiations with Schumer. We didn't shake hands on any deal. We don't want easier permitting for drilling pipelines and LNG, liquefied natural gas uh, terminals that would send natural gas to Britain and Europe and whatever. We're not, we don't want any of that. We want to shut down fossil fuels. So now here's Manchin standing out in the cold, no pun intended, with no friends. They simply misled him, got his vote, and threw him off the bus. The Wall Street Journal turned the light on the fraud and the deception that's woven into the factory, uh, into the fabric of, of the whole left progressive. They have a long article about it. I, I'm going to quote a little bit of their article, but it's all um, in an article that I wrote today. It's it's linked in that article. But they are saying that, yes, it provided some much-needed and long-overdue reforms to curb the paralysis by analysis that the left is talking about. But they said it also was a Trojan horse with provisions that would have unleashed hordes of newly subsidized wind, solar, transmission, marauders all over the forty-eight lower 48 states. They go into quite an in-depth story on that. So the Green New Deal is basically a fraud. It isn't science, and many of our public servants on the left are probably enriching themselves and their cronies. The Wall Street Journal exposes that in their story. The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs fourteen twelve. Certainly, this is true spiritually, but it's also true culturally. Zachary Garris holds a Master's of Divinity from Reformed Theological Seminary and a Juris Doctor from Wayne State University. He's a licensed attorney. He's written a number of books on the subject, and he was observing this. He said, the political left today identifies a progressive. Whether it is the redefinition of marriage or the push for more government programs, the left considers their policies to bring about progress. But is this really progress? No. He said it's regress. He said, considering most of the left's policies, they're destroying civilization. A better adjective would be to be regressive. 
Family is the cornerstone of society, so they're attacking family. And he goes on through all of the things that we often talk about on this program, suggesting that we are now approaching a tipping point where if these guys continue, they're going to destroy the culture. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.